Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we've got a special two-for-one on Ultimate Intrigue and Mid-Season Magic. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? It's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games, and uh, I guess today we'll be talking about a whole bunch of games. Um, a lot of part part twos and part fours, I guess, yeah. um, going down. But before we do that... We have to. Was there games since we last recorded? Well, there there was no. There's been no tabletop. Yeah. I've been on vacation. I will say, I did play a little bit of Hearthstone because the notification popped up that was like, get three free packs and get five more if you win two times. So I did that, and then it was like, get five more if you win seven more times, and that's where I fell off. But I feel like if I had done that, I would have been right back in on Hearthstone. Oh um, really? Uh, what is uh, what is like the old gods one? How's that shaping up for you? Um, it's different mechanics. It's still, it's, it's, it's some neat stuff. The, the big thing is that everybody gets a free, uh, legendary Cthune. Um, a lot of cards in the set will buff Cthune regardless of where he is. Um, you know, if he's in your deck in your hand, um, I guess on the field too. Um, and then when you play him, it randomly does damage to enemies, uh, based on its attack power. So, like, if you buff it up real high and you play it, it does that. It starts as an 8 8, it costs 10 mana. And so, and it's very easy to buff him up. And he combos well with, like, a lot of them are, like, on Battle Cry effects. Yeah, I've, I, I've seen some of these these cards. Um, I just haven't, I haven't really looked at, like, a whole spoiler for the whole list. But yeah, um, it seems to work. It, it seems to be a very, um, what's the word? A very, uh, I think it's, yeah, Timmy ish kind of play style. You know, get a big old bad Cthulhu, throw him on the board, and. Even with removal, he still does something on drop, so it's not like a total waste. That's pretty good. Yeah, I also saw that a lot of champs, or not champs, uh, a lot of cards got nerfed, like Big Game Hunter and stuff like that. Yeah. So I figure he's got a little more sticking power for that yep. reason. Yeah, for my for my two games, which I did play, I rebuilt my Control Priest with... Um, oh, so the thing that they, the other thing they introduced is that they're standard in Wild now. And in standard, you only get the, the past years or so worth of expansion. Oh, right, so GVG dropped out. Yes. Um, that's huge. Jeez. Fucking it is. Dr. Wynn. Um, I lost my shrink Meisters for my priest control deck. Um, but I, I think I gained some things too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had fun during oh, that. Oh, that also means Nax must be out. Oh God, my warrior control is going to be. Yes, that was a big thing. I cannot sh- play my, uh, my confused deck as effectively anymore because, uh, the dreadlords don't exist anymore. Yeah. Wow. That's rough. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good choice to go to a standard wild format overall for Hearthstone, uh, and it's really going to help out kind of the longevity of the game. I honestly think that they should be patching more rapidly and uh, kind of responsively to Hearthstone. I think that they have the. Um, I kind of feel like Hearthstone has the option to to play with the standard CCG release schedule because it's all digital, obviously. Um, and they're doing a little bit of that with, like, adventure mode and everything like that. But uh, I kind of wish I saw some more variation in how they were releasing cards than just copying magic. Um. Yeah, I, I think a big concern for a lot of people was um, when, when uh, what was it, Ice Rager dropped, everybody assumed that they were just going to stop patching old cards because they showed that they were unafraid to release strictly better than cards. Um Although I guess once those rotate out, they can be like, see, we didn't, because, like, because uh, Ice Rager is strictly better than Magma Rager, mm. and Magma Rager will never fall out, and Ice Rager will. So I, I, I guess that means that technically, eventually that'll rotate out, I don't know. I, 
But that's uh, kind of besides the point. Did you play any video games while I was on vacation? Anything of significance? Uh, same stuff. Beyond Earth, Minecraft, League of Legends. Uh, it's all pretty. You know, my life is my life is very simple these days. I'm waiting for our big May releases. There are so many big releases coming out in May uh, that are going to swap up the uh, swap up the schedule. Stellaris and Total War, Warhammer, and uh, Overwatch. I guess Overwatch at this point, yeah. Um, geez, that's just three. It's going to be a ton of money. Well, whatever. Um, but otherwise, I guess. I'm good. So ultimate intrigue. Yeah. So just so the people at home can follow along, we're going to do a thing where we do half tabletop, half video games because, uh, uh, we wanted to. And, uh, well, the first half is going to be some more ultimate intrigue. We're not going to finish everything because we're never going to finish this book. Um, and, uh, the, we're going to kind of hard cut it off. We're either going to get to the end of the feats. We're going to do the other class archetypes, which we haven't covered yet. And the feats, and we're either going to stop at about 45 minutes, or when we get to the under feats, we're going to switch over. And then we're going to do the rest of midseason magic. We already covered the champions. And today, um, as luck would have it, the patch notes for 6.9 drop, so we got some specific numbers. We might visit some of the champ stuff a little bit. Um, but I think we're going to mostly try to focus on the changes we didn't get to in the last episode. Um, and so that's kind of the roadmap. I will um, let me. I will write myself a note so that we will. I will put a. Uh, a, a a, a timestamp in the description of the episode when we switch over. Um, that way, if you don't aren't interested in Ultimate Intrigue, but you are interested in uh, in Midseason Magic, you can skip to there. And uh, I guess it'll be kind of obvious when we switch over, but if you only want to listen to Ultimate Intrigue, you can stop. Um, and so that's, that's the roadmap. Uh, okay, so without further ado... Uh, Ultimate Intrigue. Uh, starting in the, uh, the other class archetypes, our first one is the Tyrant. I really... Uh, it's funny because I've written out a whole anti-paladin archetype, but I really have I have zero feel for the anti-paladin uh, class as a whole. Uh, the Tyrant anti-paladin archetype seems to swap the, paladin, the anti-paladin from chaotic evil to lawful evil, um, and all of his kind of codes and conducts and everything like that. Um, swap with him, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I actually like, I, I have to say, I like archetypes like this because I like freeing paladins from kind of the shackles of, uh, freeing paladins from the shackles of that alignment restriction to a certain extent and allowing them to kind of open up in the right way, um, but, you know, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I see. Yeah. It's straightforward. It, 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 it's, yeah. it's a very RP-ish thing. It's it's a, it's a thing that like um, three five had them. We've got paladins in all f- in three of the four corners now. Now we just need like the libertarian paladin in chaotic good. Um, do we have one of those already? I don't if- think we do. The two that I made, uh, which I we should probably release at some point because those are pretty pretty solid. It just is the reaver. And the uh, and the Templar, which just says that you know, you're a Templar. You can change. You can hit anything on the lawful, uh, good, kind of like those five alignments. Um, and then uh, the Reaver is kind of like the the uh, everything on the chaotic, everything on the good, or everything on the evil axis, um, which allows for some neat overlap between you know you can be a lawful evil Reaver and you can also be a uh, lawful evil. Uh, Templar, ironically. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's I guess for a little bit later. Um, but yeah, this, this, there's not much meat to this. It's it's very it, it does what its, its job is, but there's not much there to talk about. Yeah, it really does. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, the cleric archetype the is the cardinal, uh, which adds this political skill thing which is actually so it replaces the cleric spontaneous casting and alters their cleric dominion um or just sorry the cleric domains um i simultaneously like this and and don't like this i feel like it gets too little power for uh to it gives up so much uh for what it for what it gets yeah um in fact, if it wasn't for, like, giving up the second domain, I think I'd be a little bit more happy with it. Yeah, it doesn't really, but, you know, like, base attack bonus, whatever, giving up the giving up the uh, armor proficiencies, okay, that's fine. You get these skill ranks uh, and some extra of these skills or whatever, but, yeah, man, just, jeez, losing the domain is Either the domain, one of the domain or the spontaneous casting, because I could see this being a neat class for a... Um, a, a caster cleric, what, right? somebody who's dedicated to being a caster mm-hmm. instead of being a, uh, instead of being like you know this kind of amalgam um, or amalgam. Um, what's the right pronunciation on that word, buddy? I've always said amalgam. You're probably right. It's one of those words that I read a lot but never say. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> um, an amalgam of like, um, uh, of of like you know this kind of like half frontline fighter buff monster, um, where you could. You can pull it back and be a caster, but you really kind of need those domain stuff. And if you're going to be, like, a healer, you need the, the spontaneous cast and you kind of free up that power. Uh, and so I, I think it's it's a weird place. I think it makes a very good NPC cleric, um, which which I think which is you know, kind of been a theme for some of these archetypes. Is they seem like non-player archetypes. But I, I think it's also – it's one of those things where, like, you know what you're giving up in order in order to kind of get this 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 flavor, um, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I you know in a weird I I could see myself take this class in another world with a little bit less uh, strict power budgeting yeah. going on. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the next one is the Maverick, which is a gunslinger archetype. Uh, and I actually like this archetype a lot. I actually think that this archetype will end up a little bit like the mysterious, like mysterious stranger land, um, in just kind of how it works. Um, because it basically gets this, uh, special deed, which you can spend one grit to uh, w- when you're attempting bluff profession or sleight of hand. Um, profession to roll gambler, an extra, oh, profession gambler, yeah. Uh, to uh, roll one d six and add it to the results in the same kind of cascading way as um, not inspiration. What's the what's the uh, daring do? Yeah, yeah, daring do. Um, and I just think that's so cool, and it really fits that con man. Kind of, you know, I mean, it's exactly like the movie Maverick with Mel Gibson, kind of. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it, I think it fits that fantasy so perfectly. And it, it's super fair power budget as far yeah, as Yeah, and you, re- you replace Gunslinger Dodge for it, which is, I think, an appropriate power trade-off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think Fist Fighter is also really cool. Um, you lose kind of, like, the trip aspects of it, but you kind of get the universality. Uh, so, instead of getting Pistol Whip, you get... You, as long as you have one grip point, you have improved unarmed strike, which fits the like the kind of fantasy very well. 
Um, you lose a pistol whip gets you an automatic trip attempt, which is kind of the neat thing there, and you had to spend a grip for it. Here, it's kind of universally accessible, but it kind of serves the same purpose. Like, oh wait, you can, pistol whip is a trip attempt. It's not a trip attempt. It's a regular attack. I think that gives you a free trip attempt. Oh if wow! If I remember correctly, I did not know that. But um, fair enough. Yeah, but, I, I know obviously about it being an attack kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, that's uh, I think it's it's a good like. Essentially, the power trade-off there is fair. It fits the fantasy, and it kind of it's it's very it's a very neutral uh, power trade. Yeah, I yep, I definitely agree. Right, right up along with you. Um, Technically, it's not a trip attempt. It's uh, you can make a combat maneuver check to knock the target prone as a free action. Okay. So effect you know, effectively a trip attempt, um, but it doesn't get like the whatever. Um, it doesn't get, like, the, the, the bonuses I guess you'd get to trip if you invested a lot of stuff in trip. Um, and I really like Gun Twirl, too. Um. Yeah, I like Gun Twirl a lot. I love Gun Twirl. Like, like, I think that that's awesome. Like, you know, that is the thing I've always kind of wanted out of Gunslinger is kind of like the, like, you know, flashy kind of gunplay, you know, like, I'm a Mickey Dance Boy type of, type of stuff that happens. Yeah. Uh, that, that you know, that, that you know, but it kind of complements or is one end of the guns, the the kind of gunslinger fantasy. Um, so yeah, I'm very happy with this. I could see myself playing one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could definitely see myself playing one of these. Uh, moving right along, we have the courtly hunter, which is in the um, it's in the vein of a lot of these court. A lot of these court classes, uh, court changes that they've added. Um, you get a courtly companion, which I think is kind of neat. Uh, because it, I think it really does rephrase almost the, uh, like the hunter in a radically different way. Because you think of the hunter just from a very, um, kind of wilderness perspective. Yeah. And this really is the just exact opposite. Yeah, this is kind of like, like, um, like when I saw the songbird version, I was like, uh, like kind of like uh, Princess Fiona from Shrek could be a courtly hunter, almost. With- yeah, because you get uh, you get uh, different competence bonuses instead of getting like wolf and bear and stuff like that you get like frilled lizard who gives you intimidate checks or octopus who gives you escape artist and i think that stuff is pretty neat and pretty interesting or or songbird which lets you perform better yeah yeah yep i am uh yep i am i am with this i don't think i would ever play one unfortunately i do have i do have like some designs on the hunter class that i like would definitely go down to play but this uh, this doesn't really fit that bill, unfortunately. But it def- I think feel like it definitely has its place. Yeah, I'm sure it's, you know I'm sure somewhere someone someone somewhere it's like thank God finally I can play the hunter. <laughs> yeah, um, so, someone who's like you know I I wanted to play a more animal focused uh, a more animal focused ranger in in this intriguing campaign, but the uh, the the what's the the. Uh, the archetype that they provided for the the ranger just isn't doing it for me, and this kind of get gets you that. Um. Yeah. 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 All right. Roof runner, another hunter archetype. This one I like a lot better. But anyway, um, this one is a it, this one you know like the the the, the 
Corp one is an urban hunter in the kind of in that the highborn sense. The roof runner is an urban hunter in the kind of like uh, he seems most the urban sense. Yeah, in in the urban sense, you know, like he really lives and breathes in these kinds of cities. Um, I think that you know, honestly, all of this stuff is so good. I almost kind of want Jimmy to play it even though it doesn't make sense to a certain extent. But it's just so good because, like, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, like, when does Woodland Stride come up in, you know, when does Woodland Stride come up in an urban campaign? Freaking never, right? Oh, well, here we got Shingle Stride, right? Um, when you're, so that you can move at full speed when using acrobatics across surfaces. Like, I just think that stuff is great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um there's a lot of archetypes like this, and you know I think it was just a matter of time before the hunter got their version of the uh, wilderness wilderness uh, hero gets their urban version. And I think it's a good 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 use good uh, did a good job doing it. Um, and then moving right along, we have new wild talents. Uh, these I don't have a good sense for because I the kineticist class has gotten away from me i guess in terms of uh what it is yeah i i, th- I think they're they're all fairly reasonable they're like more things for like there's one for each of the major elements one for air one for earth one for fire um and one for water and then and one for ether as well um as those kind of like neat utility things to do with it flame trap lets you make a make a, a trap earth meld lets you hide in stone voice of the wind lets you do voice stuff um that felt kind of like a stretch but it works water sense is think it's like tremor sense but for the water um oh no it's like scrying but in a pool um, that's actually pretty sweet yeah it is um and touch i actually like touch site a lot um there it's it reminds me of a spell i think it's called like uh like wall sight or something like that uh but it lets you but it lets you kind of like see through things um yeah i like voice or, of the or, or wind. rather spy on things rather i like voice of the wind just because it's a zero burn spell so you can yeah. just kind of use it all the time same with touch well th- these are all actually zero burn oh i guess you're right i didn't actually i didn't actually pay attention that's actually but, really uh, interesting i didn't realize yeah, that, that is actually kind of interesting because i actually think flame trap is good like in just straight up good um Jeez, yeah. Well, all right then. Yeah. That, that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, Moving on to the Black Asp... Black Asp Monk. Um, is this Assassin Monks? Uh, yeah, it's the Poison... It's this Poison Monk, uh, which I really like because it's kind of a lot like that one, like whatever the uh like the poison frog archetype for druids it's a lot like that um i think it's cool and i'm sure someone will play it i the i don't think i don't think any of these classes will really get like widespread play or people will be talking about them in in, in any way um i'm sure someone will come up with a cheese built somewhere for all of yeah them. maybe just i just because i feel that i don't know i just because i feel that the uh, the poison rules are just rough. It's just rough. Yeah. No. Absolutely. 
And, like, I, I think you really need to build into the class the ability to use po poison as well. Um, right, poisons have this, I think we've talked about this briefly before, but poisons have this weird problem where, like, because they're money-based power, and they're kind of, like, ex expendable money-based power, it, it, it's balanced off because you can't make it too good because then you have players pooling all their money to get, like, the poison dart that, that, that screws off the, the boss once. Um, and then that power's all lost, right? Like, that, that, you know, whatever amount of gold you've invested never comes back to the player. Unlike, say, a plus one sword, which they use ostensibly for a long time, if not the rest of the campaign. Mm -hmm. um, and so by building the, the kind of power into the class, you can kind of let that power scale and not have to worry about that, that, that weird um, cost issue. Yeah, no, I, yep, I think that is... That they hit the nail on the head when it comes to when it comes to uh, it comes to those kinds of problems. Um, yeah, moving right along, we have the Sage Counselor, which I like in theory a little bit less in execution. Um, mostly, my problem with the Sage Counselor is it doesn't feel very sage. -y. It doesn't feel sagey in like a kind of mentor sense. Yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like they 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 used a bad name because I think I think there's a there's already like a sensei archetype that really fulfills that kind of mentor fantasy. Oh, really? oh yeah. I see. I don't have a good command of some of the other archetypes, so maybe that's fair. Um, and I think I think what this really is, which is a faint monk, is a really neat idea. Um, and then the cat classicals kind of give you access to a little bit more courtly stuff. Um, I think this is more kind of like you're like, instead of the mentor monk, this is like the court monk, right? Like the, the, the kind of advisor, right? Like could easily be, a, be like a villain in kind of, you know, like the, the kind of like the vizier type of archetype, mm -hmm. you know, very deceptive, very, uh, kind of shady. Um, but I think, I still think it's cool. Um. And I think, um, you know, it, it's a cool option for players kind of play like to play like, uh, you know, like like a like a mysterious, more more mysterious rather than a more like, you know, kung fu archetype. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think they're going a little bit less for Master Roshi than I would have otherwise expected. Yeah, uh, like, like I said, I think I think that 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 archetype already kind of exists, and this is more of a kind of like. Uh, uh, I don't even know. Low Pan from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a reference. Um, the Ancestral Aspirant is an occultist archetype. I do like the occultist a lot. This one changes out your uh, this one changes out your regular implements for family jewels. Um, and these are always objects connected to your family history. Um, which I think is a good kind of start to this class. Uh, and then it gets some of these abilities, courtly contacts, contacts, um, emotional reading, um, which, you know, allows you to read the emotions of other people in kind of GM fiat ways. Um, don't necessarily get, get me all the way there they're good and they they're good and they replace things that are weak 
to a certain extent, right? Like it's a very, very powered neutral and low powered change. Um, but I think it's something that could have really big RP dividends for somebody who tries uh, to invest in, in this kind of thing. And I think it's something that would really work out if you are playing that kind of super courtly, super kind of noble intrigue Game of Thrones game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, like it, it's a it's a well-toned intrigue version of the class. Um, no, I don't think much else to say about that. Um, but there's a second archetype called the Secret Broker, um, which is kind of the other, the you know, one side of this intrigue seems to be kind of like Noble Party, the other side seems to be like CD Underworld. This is a CD Underworld one. Um, you know, and... See, this kind of falls into the... This is an overarching problem that I kind of have with all of Ultimate Intrigue, where it really... It, it, it kind of mechanizes some things that I feel like should be uh, RP to a certain extent, and this one definitely does and does that to a certain extent, but I just... I don't know. It's one of those things where if I was a GM GMing for this thing, I could definitely see how Erase Secret or Steel Secret um, could be just like brutal from a storytelling perspective yeah i think i think it i i let so i know i know that like i i think that there there are those traps where like you you mechanize things that can be in an rp but i think there's also something to be said for giving somebody a little bit more power in that direction when those things are not ty- like these th- these kind of mechanics aren't typical adventuring things and so they don't really exist in a way that you can rp as well into but like by by giving them as a specific power to a class, you can kind of containerize it, if that makes sense. Um, kind of box it up on that archetype where you you know one of the things that the secret broker get like f- for all the power in an entry game with with these different memory and secret abilities, they have to take divination implements all the time, um, which is a a much like it, you're not as combat effective uh, essentially, which kind of like shifts that it makes it a very situational archetype which uh, i i no, guess I you're right about that but i think you are correct um it, it kind of does this thing where which i i do i i would agree with you and kind of rounding back on myself about it being a problem um because I, i've this kind of thing happens where it's not good enough to take in a normal game but too good to allow in a game that it's meant for um you know it's kind of like if you're playing a ranger variant that only gets one type of favorite enemy in Giant Slayer, that's a little, you know, their power budget's a little bit off kilter because, you know, you're, you're fighting giants in Giant Slayer and you don't have to worry about getting, about kind of spreading out your, your favorite enemies. Um, and I, I think this kind of moved towards that trap. I don't know if it, if it fully sets in it. Well, what do you think? I think you're right. I think that's the right... I don't know. I just think that's the... the um... I feel like that's the right perspective because I also feel like, you know, look at the end of that. At the end of the day, all this stuff is going to be game specific anyway. So maybe you know, trying to look at it from a purely like power balance standpoint doesn't necessarily hold up in that kind of sense uh, to begin with. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean maybe unless you're playing PFS, which I. You know, I, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm obviously yeah. not playing PFS. Uh, yeah, neither am I. So either, um, 
Yeah. Uh, the next one's an Oracle mystery. You're playing an Oracle. I am playing an Oracle. Um, I, this is pretty much exactly what you know. It, it's 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 called it's the Oracle mystery is called Intrigue. Like it, it's it's not even like yeah, they're not even it's like exactly trying. What it, it's exactly what it says on the tin, <laughs> folks. Like they're not even <laughs> <laughs> trying to. Uh, it's, yeah, it really isn't. It's not like oh, yeah. I, I can't even think of another good name for this uh, to make this joke work. But they just yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's cool in that it gets a lot of this charm person. Uh, suggestion, true seeing, yeah. scrying stuff. I think these are all very intriguing spells. I think it's nice to have them on the list. I think it makes a lot of sense for Calistria and Norgorber. Um, I actually and... really like the final revelation. Uh, it's another thing that no one ever gets, but you get to apply silent or still spell for free um, to your spells. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, because usually you get one of those. Um, like, I think the... Uh, like the Maestro Sorcerer Bloodline gets, uh, I think, still, and then like the the Shadow gets like silent. Um, so it's it, it's cool that you get like you know it's it's not technically you get access to both, but you can only use one at a time. Um, the thing, uh, this isn't something I guess that's particular to intrigue. This is just kind of like a a problem I have with Oracle playing an Oracle with Oracle mysteries. I have. Uh, in total, which is kind of like, these mysteries are really, really cool, but because so much of the Oracle's power budget is in being a 9-level caster, they tend to be kind of uh, underwhelming, or rather like like very situational, very use-limited. Like, the best example I can give of this is, is from the Wooden Wanderer, is one of his, um, one, one of his uh, Oracle mystery powers is he can use Wood Shape, as a spell-like ability, and that's pretty cool. However, I have Stone Shape the spell, which is a third-level spell, and I'm a Wood Oracle, but I can use Stone Shape, you know, like, close to a dozen times if I invest all of my third-level and higher spell casts on it, and I can use Wood Shape twice. You know what's funny about that? Just, like, to make a brief tangent, I actually find that kind of interaction incredibly interesting, because... You know, you have to think about that. You know, I, I've had, we talked about this on a couple of casts, like actually, like a long, long number of casts ago, uh, about the idea that, like, you know, if I'm a caster, why can't I pull all of my magical ability into, uh, you know, one big fat spell cast, right? Um, or you know, I can't use my I can't use my magic to coordinate with a team kind of thing. This is when we were talking about occult rituals. In the same kind of vein, I almost like the you know, just like the idea of this high you know, like a high level uh Oracle who is this master mason because he can just use fifteen uses of yeah. stone shape a day. Um I don't know. I always think that kind of stuff is it's, that kind of stuff is some of the most interesting stuff when it comes to the D and D systems because I've, the the system is I don't think built to support it, uh, and it does imply some neat stuff kind of about you know it does imply some neat stuff about like but, the world. Know, the, the thing that's kind of we could talk we could probably dedicate a whole episode to the concept of a tippy verse. The tippy verse for those at home that you don't know or I don't know if you know this, buddy, but tippy verse is. What a world that looks like when, you know, uh, access, large-scale access to teleportation exists. Like, it kind of does in, in or it's kind of assumed to do in, in D&D. Um, but 
um, just to kind of get back to the original point, the thing that frustrates me about this is that my wood oracle, who loves all things wood, has a, stands a better chance of being a master mason than a master carpenter. Because <laughs> the, way, like, the, the rules fall out like that. Um, and may, maybe that's just kind of like a corner case, but I'd like to see some of these, like, I don't know. Maybe it's that I wanted the bonus spell to be... Like, it feels like making the bonus spell shape wood is kind of a waste on um on a on on a wood oracle because they get they can get stone shape but like 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 a little line in 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 the wood oracle that would say that you know when they use shape but when they get the shape, shape wood talent you can also use shape stone to affect wood would be something that kind of like just rides that out you know like that like gives you that flavor without kind of blowing away the power because it's you know stone shape is generally more powerful than wood shape um just you know, by the matter that woods or stones turn in the wood, but that's that's kind of getting away from the from the intrigue mystery. I just you know, it, it just seems to me that a lot of this kind of stuff falls into that. You, know, you get a lot of once and twice per day abilities um, uh, that are kind of like very, by their nature limited by the fact that the oracle is a nine level spontaneous caster, and so you can't put too much power into the mystery. Yeah, no, I yep, I uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, to Move right along. We have the Grey Paladin, which is a lot like the Tyrant, but instead of swapping one for one, you swap one for three. You can be either lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful uh, 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 neutral good. Um, you change up class lists, uh, class skills a little bit, and then you actually are weaker. So to... I really like this uh, weakened grace. I think this is actually perfect. Because I have always said, and I'm continue to say, that your code of conduct is not a real weakness for a paladin. It's one that you don't really enforce as a GM because it's kind of a dick move, it's right? It's a huge dick move, yep. Um, and so by being a great paladin, you give up a lot of the power. So that that theoretical trade-off that your that your you know your code of con your code you're supposed to get a lot of power because you you are limited to this rigid code of conduct. Whereas your code of conduct as a great paladin is uh uh it's uh, what, what is the, uh, what does it say? Great Paladin must be of lawful good, lawful neutral, or neutral good alignment, and loses all class features except proficiencies, blah, blah, blah. If she goes evil. She should strive to act with honor and uphold the tenets of her faith, but failing to do so is not a violation of her code other than evil actions. She can do whatever she feels is necessary to uphold the causes of law and good. This is kind of like what, like, your code of conduct ends up practically being, right? Like, good intentions and trying your hardest but if you do something a little bit off, uh, then you're not totally boned, and mm -hmm. it shaves off an appropriate amount of power for that. Like you don't get your you don't get your uh, your grace, and you get I think it's uh, diminished smite a little bit, um, uh, an aura of some of your auras, um, and so it shaves off a lot of that power for what's not really a weak, real weakness anyway, and trades it in for this. Essentially, takes away your your fake weakness gives you what it actually is and tr it pulls off an appropriate amount of power because paladins can be kind of overpowered in the base game given how not real that code of conduct tends to be as, as, as a weakness yep definitely uh one million percent agree with all of this stuff and i think the paladin i think the uh the gray paladin enforces that in a super real way uh i actually think that i i could see a lot of uh, a lot of our friends who agree with us 
on the Paladin, uh, you know, friend of the podcast, Mark, would probably say that a Grey Paladin is an okay compromise. Uh, like, it's an archetype that everyone needs to take if you're going to... Hell, I think that um, Nick's, Nick's old character, Rufus's older brother, I can't remember at the at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, I was about to say Shinji. Um, What's his name? Yeah, what the, what uh, Luca? Luca, yeah, Luca is probably already a great paladin, effectively. Um, just you know, with because he, he's a paladin of vengeance, um, and so like, you know. This would fit him very well and kind of get rid of some of the kind of like, well, you're kind of being a dick, but you're a paladin of vengeance, so I guess you're not technically. He's like, well, you try, yeah. right? Like How it, lawful good, I say with with egregious air quotes, is yeah. is a character like Luca. I don't know, <laughs> but with, with this, you don't have to worry so much about it, so long as you're not like stabbing a baby with a great sword. You know, so long as you're not actively kicking the dog, you're probably okay. Yep. Um. But yeah, moving along to uh, the Velvet Blade. This is, you know, court court version of uh, Slayer. Um, I love the Slayer. Uh, I love the Slayer class so much that I don't think I can hate an archetype like this. But I really kind of don't like this archetype. Oh, really? Why? Um, I actually feel like the base Slayer does this job fine. Uh, in that there's a lot of options that allow that kind of that allow the slayer to uh, to you know uh, get in there and make those kinds of um, and make those kinds of like it's already a very urban archetype it's already an archetype that lives and breathes in these kinds of city environments um, and studied socialite just feels bad. Okay, to study target to me. Uh, Courtly Graces just feels bad compared to Trek. Um, like, I mean, seriously, Courtly Graces, I read this and I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Replacing Track, right? They gain a bonus on knowledge nobility checks equal to half their Slayer level? Are you kidding? You're giving up Track for that? When these guys are supposed to be assassins, right? Like, Track is... I, you know, like, even if track isn't as, even if it's, like, power neutral, I just think it's so uh, important for the Slayer to have the track ability. Ah, God. I, 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 uh, I don't know. Um, that said, I like Treacherous Blade. I think Treacherous Blade is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Tetris Blade is weird, though, because it's, like, a sneak attack. Like, you get one of them. And that's that's it. And it doesn't seem to be enough power for that. I mean, I get... So, I agree with that. Yeah, I guess you're kind... Well, so if, if you're playing, and, like, you know, like, like, like an assassin, you take the assassinate advanced Slayer talent, and you just study a dude for three rounds, then you do your death attack, I guess it gives you more damage to kind of make the death attack go off better. But, like... I guess I feel like it's it's a little bit tougher to... I... I, I, I like the... the, uh... kind of lore... surrounding sure. it, almost. Uh, which kind of, like, forgives this whole thing to me, to a certain extent. Um, because, you know, I just like the idea that as long as the studied target thinks she's harmless, she can just shank them. You know what I mean? Like, shank them. Sure. Right? It just I think like that's it's not that, enough. Yeah. It's, just, it's just... Sorry. 
Is maybe it maybe it does deserve to be more powerful. I see where you're coming from, though. It's like two d six, right? Like a regular Slayer gets a two d six. Oh, I guess he doesn't lose his regular sneak attack. He doesn't. Though. Yeah, he doesn't okay, lose that's anything important. For yeah, it. yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't considering that. Yep. So he still has his regular sneak attack. Okay, I guess I guess this is better. You get an extra two d six on that first attack. Yeah. Okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I still think it should be. You give up for it. Actually, you don't give anything up for it. You don't give anything up for it. All right, yeah, I don't think it's bad anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, yep, well, we, uh, we're, we in there, we in there. Um, uh, um, um, I think it actually makes up for the, the damage you lose on study, on, uh, study target a lot. Um, you know, Oh, you know what? I didn't think about it that way. I think you're actually kind of right. It's a little bit not great because it takes you, you have to wait till you hit level seven to get it, but I, and it doesn't, you know, make up as much damage, but I still think it's all right. Yeah, actually, you know what? Yeah, I should have... Uh, you're right. I didn't really consider that. I didn't think about those two, kind of. I was thinking about it, all of these abilities almost in a vacuum. Um, yeah. yeah I, God, I just, I just like the Slayer a lot. Uh, and then this last one is the Fae Caller, who is a um, summoner thing. I honestly... I, I read the Unchained Summoner, but I, like, remember zero things about that class. I've always heard that summoners are broken. I've always heard that they were pretty poorly designed and just Unchained kind of taken summoner. out of face. So Unchained Summoner is much better. Um, uh, Unchained Summoner gets rid of the weird... Like, it's very clear that Paizo has completely abandoned the regular summoner. Like, mm-hmm. they'll give... Like, like if you notice, there are regular monk archetypes instead of Unchained monk archetypes in this. Um, which is actually kind of a shame because I really like the Unchained monk. Um... And there are, over the what was the other change that there was? Uh, I guess there's no barbarian archetypes. And uh, was there another? Wasn't there a fourth? Uh, oh, unchained uh, rogue. Rogue. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. These, these are these are regular rogue archetypes. Although they kind of fit, you can kind of switch them out. But you know, they 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 won't release any more regular summoner stuff. Everything is now an unchained summoner. And I think what they did was they got rid of the kind of wonkiness where it was like, they were like a six level spellcaster, but it felt like they wanted to make them like a little like more like a like a seven and a half level spellcaster if that makes sense, right? Um, because and because of that they gave them I think um, invisibility at like a lower level, which let you put it on once or something, or stuff little funky stuff like that. So they got rid of that, and instead of the eidolons being. Um, what, what, what's the famous quote? It's something like, all Eidolons are like seven arms and two butts. Um, now now that the Eidolons like, have like a preset form, um, part of that was that like it was easy to cheese the old summoner, and the other half of that is it's easy to... Um, the, other, the other half of that is that it's a very complex system, which is kind of deterring for new people on how to do it. Um, and so what the new summoner does is that your Eidolon kind of has this base kind of like image of what it kind of is and you've got a much more limited way to modify it and so the fake caller um instead of doing a regular eidolon does a fairy eidolon because there seems to be a lot of fae running through this book even though i don't feel like i guess which is so weird to me it is honestly super super strange because i guess go on i don't see the overlap between fae and between i think there's uh, supposed to be Trixie. I think that's, like, literally it. Like, yeah, it just seems... Because, like, Faye is so opposite of Urban to me. Um, I, but I, I think I think Faye fit into kind of, like... Like... Uh, kind of, like, 
uh, Sutterfuge type of theme mm -hmm. a bit, which is, I guess, where this comes from. Um, uh, instead of summon, uh, summon monster, they get summon nature's alley. Pretty, pretty standard. Um, they get a Fey Eidolon. Um, with a bunch of, they, 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 they work like Fey. I don't know. Not like, you know, it, 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 it does exactly, this is another, it does exactly what it says on the tin. If you want a Fairy Eidolon instead of, if you want to be a Fairy Summoner instead of being, uh, uh, you know, like a Monster Summoner, this is your, your, your archetype. Yeah, I, this is one of those things so far out of left field for me. I have no gauge on. I have no gauge on the summoner. I don't typically like uh, Fey or outsiders or anything like that. Um, so it's just left field, way out of it. I you get it. <laughs> well, um, we've made it well, the end of the other archetypes. And we made it the end of our time almost perfectly of archetypes. Finally. Four, four, uh, four episodes in, and a, and a half, I guess three, three and a half. Uh, but yeah, those are our thoughts on uh, those are our thoughts on the Pathfinder archetypes in Ultimate Intrigue, I guess. Yeah, eventually, eventually, we'll get to the feats, and then eventually we'll get the other systems in that book. Yeah, yeah all if of we're these lucky, other it'll be before the next hardback comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go over under on that. Um, the. Uh, you're right. Well, so we're at 45 minutes. Uh, I guess we can switch gears uh, to the mid-season magic update. Um, the patch notes for patch 6.9 have been released. We now see everything as it's going to be uh, released, what, like tomorrow, the next day? Probably. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about this last week. I, I think we're excited. I think we're excited to see how these things play out. Um the mage changes that we went over seem largely intact. Uh, there's a couple of small changes I guess I want to talk about. Like, for instance, something on the Malzahar changes that nobody ever really saw on the PBE was that the delay after the cast to dodge the Q on Malzahar's Q is gone, which I think is a huge change um, because... And I kind of get why they made this change, and I just want to go into it for a second. They have reduced the mana cost to a flat mana cost of 60 mana. They've reduced the cooldown to 6 seconds from 9 seconds. Uh, and they've reduced the damage and the ability power. But they've also upped the cast time to half a second, which is actually longer than a lot of, uh, than a lot of champions. And if... You know, I'm sure there are people out there who are who are saying to themselves, who are thinking like, oh, you know, an up, uh, upping a cast time by a quarter of a second, that's not a big deal. No, that's a huge deal. That is a gigantic deal. Um, it's one of the things that, that makes Thresh such an interesting champion because most of Thresh's abilities have longer than average cast times. Um, his hook has the wind-up animation, right? And that that's a that's a cast time of 0.75 seconds, whereas the Blitzcrank hook is 0.25 seconds, right? And so anybody who's been playing League of Legends for a long time definitely knows and feels the difference in those two uh, in those two abilities. And I think the Q cast time being at five uh, being at half a second um, is an interesting middle ground uh, to uh, changing to to lowering the 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 skill with which you need to hit this ability. Yeah. Um also it kind of it makes it like cuz like it it's it, like well the it sounds like there was a race in your background. Yeah, there are. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um but uh it, it kind of changes it from like 
I always felt the old Malzahar Q was very dodgeable because you had that half second to like react where like the the effect would play. Um, and since that's not there anymore, it's it's all on the cast time. I feel like because like the, the the casting animation, the casting animation usually isn't anything really. Um, like like, like the, the the observability of the cast time is is what I mean. Right, right, yeah. Um, so I feel like this this is overall a buff, but still kind of allows for that outplay if you're if you're a careful player. Yeah, um, I also think that it's neat because it's removing uh, some of his ability to run away. Cast times are, uh, you know, something that you I see people do, you know, like, let's say I'm playing Jinx, right? And I'm trying to run away from a fight, and I think to myself, I have a slow on my kit. I should slow my attacker. But uh, generally speaking, the Jinx slow is not worth the cast time that comes with it. Uh, because you're going to sit there and you're going to be rooted for your one second and you're going to lose, you know, 300. You're going to effectively lose 300 movement speed or whatever for that whatever second. Um, and you're only shaving off, you know, a hair, you know, like a tiny amount of their movement speed uh, in uh, in return. So it's just – it's one of those, like, neat little things that um, – I guess I pick up on that other players don't. Uh, the other thing that I saw, uh, what did I want to talk about? So, a question I wanted to ask you. Um, do you think they want Jungle Malzahar to be a thing? I guess they do, man. I don't know what to say about this. Yeah. I thought, th- I, first I thought they were going to edit this out about the Void Swarm. Um, but I think they're going to do, they're going, they're going for it. Um, the Void Swarm is... Just going to allow. I I I don't know. I the, it the feels thing, like did you only do seventy five percent damage to monsters? But do you think that's enough? Because it, it's mostly just keeping them off of Malzahar. I, I I would think. Well, I actually. So here, I, okay. I actually think that Malzahar wants to tank a little bit for his minions to a certain extent. I don't think. Uh, I don't think you get it as a Malzahar has a much bigger health pool than the minions, right? Um, and minions having this twelve second duration. If I'm Malzahar and I cast Void Swarm on, you know, like on a jungle target, if the jungle target is eating into my HP pool, which is not going to diminish as quickly as my minions, I'm getting the faster clearer out of it. So it's really just about whether where that trade-off comes from clear speeds. Um, I think people will be able to do it. People have reached rank one in North America on jungle Karthus, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it, he is... Definitely being set up for it, uh, I, I should say. At this point, he seems kind of like, like like Warwick almost, right? Like you you hit six and you walk out of the jungle and you you tell somebody they don't get to play League of Legends while your lane fully kills them. Yep. Um. Yeah, you know, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess we'll. I guess we'll. We'll see. Um, we yeah, I think we will. Uh, I think we will see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to to note about Vladimir uh, because I didn't realize this at the time, but Vladimir's passive is getting a huge buff, uh, where he's gaining one ability power per twenty five bonus health instead of per forty, and he's getting one bonus health per ability power he gains. Uh, obviously, these two don't kind of cascade down on itself. And then the other change that's happening for Vladimir that I also saw was in his Ties of Blood. Um, That has a max HP ratio on it, which I think is really weird and really interesting. 
Um, I think we're going to see a lot of weird builds on Mouse. On sorry, on Vladimir. I think he's going to see he's going to see play a little bit more like a Rumble than like a you know uh, a Velkaz kind of thing where uh, you're kind of building a AP fighter almost. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I'm really. Uh, I am really interested to see how this this Vladimir change works out. I think Vladimir's been asking for a change for a long time. Um, it's just how is how is it gonna yeah how is it gonna play out? I think the maximum health thing is kind of necessary. The max health ratio because you are paying a percentage of your maximum health, um, and so kind of like. To have the cost scale with it and the damage not scale with it is something that seems like it would belong with, uh, uh, I don't know, it's like 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 Soraka's heal is the only thing, other thing I can think of that does that. And that's to address the specific problem of healing sucking. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be neat at least. You know, Chain, these changes are going to be significant. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, these changes are definitely going to be uh, these changes are definitely going to be significant. Um, I'm just looking over the uh, the little. Uh, I don't remember the Kennen and the Victor changes being in the. Uh, yeah, in, I didn't in, think I saw Kennen changes. But the Kenan I actually, you know, to be honest, I played Kennen the other day and it was great. I forgot how much I like Kennen. What do you What do you think of the changes that they've? Uh, they've put I am. Uh, yeah, I'm reading them through now. Um, I actually think they're really good, especially on. Slicing Maelstrom. I agree. Um, that is a huge, uh, huge change that it's going to hit every target in the area. Um, the, the the interesting thing about this to me is this uh, the the lightning rod thing where it says it'll no longer it's no longer limited to striking the same target three times per cast, but only the first three strikes three strikes on a target will apply Mark of the Storm. Right, so you get your initial you know zoop 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 stuns down right when you're cannon ulting and sitting in an amumu world kind of thing um but it's still gonna keep ticking uh even as uh you know the these these bolts are still gonna be coming down um even though they're not granting mark of the storm stack so like that amumu cannon combo is gonna be rough like i don't know i don't know i'm interested i'm interested to see uh to see how cannon uh, picks up, falls off, gets played, doesn't get played. Really interested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I can't really make heads or tails of the of the Victor change. Um, like I I, I looked at the context and I looked at it and I'm like, oh man, buffs to siphon power. My favorite Victor off build. You know, <laughs> Victor. Uh, so I'm happy. Build a lot of mana, get a big old shield, fucking shit on people. Um, which is cool. Um, but, like, I don't see how, like, what they did to Death Ray makes the damage more, like, over time. I, I just, I don't know. Sorry, what do you mean? Like, so, so the context says we're shifting Victor's damage to be higher over time. Um, oh, oh, do you see on, do you see on Chaos Storm? The tick rate on his damage is every two seconds, which is up from 
uh, 0.5 seconds. So if you run out of Victor ult, you're actually you're you're getting out of a lot of the, a lot of the damage, right? The max damage on on Victor ult right now is about a uh, thousand AP plus one point nine five ability ratio. It will be um, thirteen hundred AP plus two point three ability okay. power, right? But because the tick rate is decreased, it gives you more options of getting out without taking ancillary damage. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah. I but see. if you hit the, if you get them for, you know, if you get them for all three ticks, you know, it's gonna do tons. It's gonna do tons of damage. <laughs> I, I feel like the. I feel like. The aftershock is is kind of, kind of useless. I don't know if you're ever gonna hit with that. For for like the explosions a second later, I feel like it's a good, cool zoning tool, but like, I just don't. I think it's I think it is uh, built to reward victors who can set up with their W. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Where you know you when you get your W combo off that's strong when you when you're f- doing it in team fights I think these changes are pretty warranted because I don't like Victor being a burst mage I actually to be honest if it were me I feel like I would personally make changes um, to uh, make death rate or not death rate make siphon power a little bit more spammable I mean it's already very spammable but um, I feel like Victor should be much more of a bruiser mage like you're kind of talking yeah. about where. Um, he is, you know, he wants to build tanky, he wants to get in close, he doesn't have a lot of, uh, he doesn't have a lot of range, and he wants to be just kind of, like, spamming his spells over time, rather than being bursty, uh, and right now he kind of lives in burst land, which seems very off to me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to play Bruiser Victor with Max Q. Um, I'm actually, like, I, I don't know if people are, like, you know, I think... The, the the moving of the shield from being a set a base number to eight percent of total mana is gonna it's, it's gonna allow for some neat builds like Seraph's Seraph's Victor is gonna be is gonna be cool I think. Well, speaking of Seraph's Victor, uh, I guess we could talk about the mage itemization. This uh-huh. is the most interesting part uh, to me of the ma- of the mid season changes, right? I'm sure people are talking about you know jungle ch- you know changes with the elemental dragons. I'm sure people are talking about the major mage updates. Uh, but to me, it all revolves around these uh, this itemization, right? So basically what they're doing in a nutshell um, is they're r- stripping mana regen as a stat from offensive mage builds uh, and replacing it with flat mana. And I think that this is a really important change because right now in a current meta, you basically have mages that rush Morel and Amicon first item because it's super, you know, it's just super freaking efficient. Uh, it gives you all that mana regen. And by the end of the game, you functionally have an infinite mana pool because there is no... Uh, by You know, by the end of the game, you functionally have this infinite mana, mana pool because um, your mana regen is so ridiculously high that anytime you're spending mana, it's just, you know, it's just regening back into, uh, into your mana pool. Uh, and only in, like, very, very extreme, super, super spammy cases do you run out of mana. And, and, and now, in fact, uh, on, on their last podcast... Uh, the the designers had said that that was their that was their objective to make mana more of a resource again instead of just kind of like you know like a, a an, an energy that kind of like a resource that turns to energy at the end game. Yeah. Um, um, yep. That's exactly. Well, it's, it's actually funny because energy becomes energy. Energy, in a lot of ways, is the opposite of mana in that energy gets constraining as the game goes on, whereas yeah. mana gets like. 
uh, freeing almost because you obviously your energy's pool doesn't very uh, doesn't really change all that much. Uh, most most energy champions their energy costs go down, but that's kind of the only thing. Um, anyway, so what they're doing is they're adding uh, a lot of flat mana and they're moving mana regen as a stat uh, almost exclusively to supports and support builds, which is something I wholeheartedly. Uh, uh, I think that's smart. You know, I think champions like Soraka and Sona and, you know, Karma and Lulu uh, having high mana regen makes a lot of sense. Um, with that, I guess we can just go straight down the list and talk about these one by one. Uh, we have Tear of the Goddess, one of my favorite items, one of my favorite builds, Tear of the Goddess. Uh, instead of having mana regen now, it refunds 15% of the mana spent on every spell used to and every spell you cast, which is a big help to uh, champions who aren't spammer champions, um, who can't just spam super low cooldown, super low mana cost spells over and over and over yeah. again, like Karthus or. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm kind of curious why they made it refund 15%. Um, the cynic in me wants to say that they don't like they, they the spaghetti is is so entangled that they can't do, like, reduces spell costs by 15%. Um, but the the optimist in me wants to say that they're doing this because, like, oh, well, if it costs 100 mana, you know, and you don't have 100 mana, you know, like, this is the difference between if you have 100 mana, or rather, if your your ult costs 100 mana and you have 85 mana, you, you can't cast, cast it. it. But if yeah. you have 100 mana, you'll end up with 15. I uh, actually think that this is also a clarity thing. I think this 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 is a more clear... I don't know if when don't you know put if I those with that. I think, when you I put think those side confusing. to side, I feel like this one is clearer. Really? Yeah, I, I I feel like why would it like? It's like you 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 get it. I don't know. It just feels weird to get it back as opposed to just shaving it off. Like shaving it off the top just seems more. I mean, that's kind of what mana. I mean, so so really, what it comes down to from my perspective is like items. Give, so items give you stuff. Right, um, they you know they, they they give you these stats almost, uh, but the the mana stat right it gives you mana regen. So you have this item, and this item is giving you mana. Right, it's feeding mana directly, drip 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 into your mana pool with mana regen. Right, um, whereas it does like it doesn't affect the base. It's not like it's not like mana costs have a mana ratio, right? Like 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 abilities have an ability power ratio right, right, right. kind of thing like that. So it just seems weird that you would be altering like one of your base stats, which to me are like set in stone with an item. I think it makes more kind of almost intuitive sense to my mind to say, "Oh, mana regen drip to drips mana back into my mana pool," right? Tier of the Goddess every time I cast a spell, right? It it plops you know mana back in my mana pool does that make sense uh, then why doesn't cooldown reduction reduce your cooldown by x percent you know like re- gives you back x percent of the cooldown right like that's <sighs> yeah that is kind of fair yeah i, I yeah i don't so, know so, i don't so, know so, that's, that's just the way again, just my, i think yeah. i think the real reason which is kind of in between what i'm thinking is so that you doesn't make catalysts of the aeon worse um because moving on to that one Oh, twenty uh, percent of mana spent. Up twenty percent of mana spent uh, comes back as health up to twenty up to fifth up to fifteen per cast for Catalyst of the Aeons. And so, if you get both Catalyst and Tear of the Goddess, you aren't making your heal on Catalyst worse. 
um, by doing that. Um, which yep. I, I guess that, that, that actually seems to be, that, that would make the most sense to me as the, as the real reason why it's done that way. Um, well, yeah, yeah. so I think that was a good segue. What do you think of Catalyst of the Aeons, buddy? Uh, Catalyst of the Aeons, the new passive, which basically says 15% of your damage taken from champions is gained as mana. And whenever you spend mana, uh, 20% of the mana spent, um, is refund is, is given to you as health, right? Uh, with a cap of 15 per cast. Um, I think this is a neat ability, or uh, is a neat item. Um, and, you know, honestly, it reminds me, what was it? It was like, um, I'm just going to try and look it up and see if I remember what it was called. Um, by uh, the way, for the folks at home, Catalyst of the Aeons, what is used to be called Catalyst the Protector, in case... You couldn't figure it out by both being named Catalyst, but you know it's got a different name now, which is which is uh, you know minor note. Okay, um, it reminds me a lot of this item, which was so long ago. It's actually kind of ridiculous. This is from like the very very first build of the game. It's called Innervating Locket, and Innervating Locket had this really weird, cool, uh, really. W- this is. Can, can you link it? I'll link it. I'll link it in the description for that. Yeah, my description. mumble is uh, is not loading, but it just loaded. So there you go. Um, so so, in, what Innervating Locket does, and it built out of an item called Mana Manipulator that used to give mana back to uh, to teammates in an aura. Really, um, oh, I remember they, that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, the Innervating Locket had a unique passive that says, when you use an ability, you regenerate 50 health and 20 mana over two seconds. And then this effect has a three-second cooldown. Um, but you combine that with champions like Sona or champions like Udir or champions like Swain, and it's ridiculous because they're just – you're just spamming spells. They're just spamming over and over and over again. Um and and they're gaining all of this health back, and you're just kind of like, oh my god, why? Like, why is this happening to me? Uh, so it was very swiftly removed from the game. Catalyst of the Aeons is a better version of this, but it's actually very similar. They both give... In fact, honestly, Innervating Locket used to build out of Catalyst. Um, but now it is... It's because it doesn't use those flat... Uh, it doesn't have that 50 health, that 20 mana, and it doesn't have this internal cooldown, which is really built for kind of these spammy champions like Sona and like Udyr, who have low, low cooldowns that are constantly, constantly, you know, um, spamming item or uh, spamming uh, spells or whatever. Uh, you have Catalyst, which is you know, it's just gonna it's gonna heal you for that flat amount if you know if your mana costs are high enough. Um, you're gonna get that mana back when you're doing these trades, and it feels like an item that you're gonna take. Because you're always going to out-trade your opponent uh, with it. I think aggressive laners want this. I think laners, um, you know, e- even some laners uh, like, um, you know, like Twisted Fate want this. Who are, you know, who are the kind of guys to uh, to poke a little bit, to spend a lot of mana because they're refunding a lot of mana. Uh, I think it's, I just, I don't know. I think it's a good item. I think it's a really interesting item. It builds into a lot of stuff that's going to be neat. I'm really for, I'm really for that. This I, I, so the the thing that I am concerned about is that there are a lot of spam champions at the moment that during the laning phase, your kind of relief from the torment of them is when they run out of mana, and now you can't really strike back against them because then you'll just give them more ammo. 
right? Like the thing that pops to my head is like a derpy off, like a, a derpy off. Uh, what's the guy? A pantheon build where he builds this fast, and like he just he just like harasses the shit out of his opponent with spears because every time the opponent tries to do anything to him, he gets enough mana back to chuck another spear at them. Um, that is uh, wow. That is a rough. Um, you're kind of right. That is rough. So I, I I'm I'm concerned. Um, let's uh, what's what's the math on this? So like, if you do like a thousand damage to somebody, which is a lot of damage early in the game, they'll get back two hundred mana. Maybe it's not as bad as I'm thinking it is, because maybe that mana is just not enough to like make the difference. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think it's you know. Uh, Pantheon has exceptionally high mana costs. Sure. Uh, just to you know, back yeah. up this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Um, but you know, Pantheon has has pretty high mana costs already. Uh, Spear shot costs 45 mana per cast. So in order to Jesus Christ, just thinking about that, I mean, I don't, I, I can't. I obviously I'm not doing the math in my head, but it's 220 uh, damage would give you one cast. That's you know that's huge, yeah, especially right. early game. Like oh, I think I think it's going to be good, especially over time, especially as you are scrapping. Um, but it, I don't think it's going to be uh, oppressive. Definitely yeah. not. Two hundred twenty-five. I, I was off by five. For yeah. you, I think I think the so I think the interesting part is when you start doing things like combining Catalyst of the Aeons with Tear of the Goddess. Like to me, this this like really screams very interesting builds on someone yeah. like. Um, you know, let's say I'm playing Zillion, right? And I have these two items uh, are kind of like the first two items I build. This is actually very norm- normal. My my Zillion build is, you know, tier into Rod of Ages into Morellanomicon a lot of the time. Um, I'm regenning a lot of mana. I'm generating a super big mana pool. And I'm just spamming, I'm spamming spells over and over. I have this huge flat mana, you know, like, I have tons of uh, flat mana. It seems to me that 15 health per cast, on somebody like Zillion, every one of my double bomb combos, that's 45 health. That's a lot. That's a big deal. Um... I don't know. I I wonder. Uh, I wonder how. Th- I wonder how that's going to play out. Actually, it's not all that much because Zillion. I think Zillion's double bomb is eighty mana, uh, which is sixteen. Okay, so each bomb is going to be fifteen per. So that's thirty, and then I think it's thirty-five mana for the rewind that you use in order to uh, proc the bombs. Uh, you know, like one after the other. So uh, that's what. 37 that's 37 health back i have to do three double bomb combos to get uh 100 hp back yeah i actually yeah it is a very scrappy thing i think this is fine i'm just i'm you know i'm just thinking about this now about like a hybrid slash ap pantheon i looked it up only his uh w and his alt have ap ratios i don't know i'm probably gonna try it at some point it's probably gonna be terrible It'll be worse. You are uh, well. Catalyst the AI is still going to build into uh, righteous glory, so I think you could kind of make it work. Or you could. I was. I was thinking into the uh, Hextech uh, GLP eight hundred, but we'll get down to that. Yeah, we will. Uh, I have also. I've also. I'm a fan of Muramana Pantheon. I think it's pretty good, um, but you know. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, uh, the next item is Chalice of Harmony, which is being changed from its honestly very confusing monofont. Um, 
uh, ability. It's one of those things that I think a lot of people read for the first time, and they're like, oh my god, this is so good kind of thing, when uh, it's actually not super, super great. But now it gives... um, 100% 100% base mana regen if your current health percentage is high is lower than your current mana percentage and 100% base mana regen um, if your current uh, mana percentage is lower than your health percentage. I think this is going to be really rough on champions like Sona and champions like Soraka. They are going to go bananas. Um, uh, Soraka going Soraka. bananas. Ah, yeah, look, uh, I didn't even, got, I didn't even we intend got that We jokes on this podcast. <laughs> We do get jokes. See, it's not just the Unwise Index. Um, the problem, I feel like, with the Childs of Harmony is that it's going to be very tough to build it in lane. Obviously, in lane, you rush Sightstone. You rush your gold generation item. Um, if you want to say, you know, 1,300 gold to get my gold generation up to its second tier and then a Sightstone on top of that, this is another 900 gold on top of that. And at that point, I think we really are transitioning out of laning phase. So I don't think it's going to be super oppressive in that sense, but I think it's going to be very good for kind of pokey, uh, skirmishy I, for, uh, for, for situations. For somebody like Sona or Soraka, do you, like, I could see maybe skipping um, the second level of, I guess it's the, the, the Frost Queen's line, um, maybe skipping, delaying that second level to get Chalice of Harmony. Yeah, I think that'd be a very, I think that'd be a very good, uh, I think that'd be a very good use of their, their yeah. time. Especially because, the the reason why I say this from a lane perspective is because Chalice of Harmony is always going to um, balance out what's going on in your lane, right? So if I'm Sona, like right, right now the big downside to the Spell Thief slide, right, is it doesn't have the health regen that the uh, the Talisman line has, right? Whenever minions die, the Talisman line refunds you some health. Um, and uh, whenever, you know, you use the Execute passive on the Face of the Mountain line, you're getting, you know, 40 base HP or what, you know, whatever the number is kind of thing. Um, Spell Thieves has nothing along those lines, right? So when you go in for those trades, if they trade back, you have nothing but pots, right? And your base mana, or base health regen to kind of recover from that. And, and Chalice of Harmony is now putting another tool um, in in those kinds of poke supports hands that allows them to be more aggressive uh, with their poking um, and not be punished as hard for it, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, moving right along, we got Lost Chapter, which was uh, from what was the uh, the Blackwater Brawler thing or whatever. Um, oh yeah, you're it right. is <clears throat> functionally an amp tome uh, uh, mixed with the old uh, Catalyst passive, which when you leveled up, you got a bunch of mana back. It doesn't it doesn't refund health like it does like mana, right? But every time you level up, it restores twenty percent of your maximum mana. Um, over three seconds. Uh, I think this is obviously a very good item. What I like a lot about this item is that it also gives ability power. It's also, it builds out of an Amp Tome and a Sapphire Crystal. So it's a very easy item, I think, for for a lot of leaners to kind of come back to. And it's the new version of uh, Forbidden Idol uh, for, for a lot of those laners where you're looking for the mana regen effect... Um, this is going to give you this is going to give you that man in lane you're going to be able to cast some spells you're going to be able to stick it out and you know poke people down I don't know this is uh, it's pretty good pretty good yeah um Fiendish Codex is getting a little bit costs a little bit more and it gets a little five more ability power yeah yeah. woo woo Will the Ancients is being axed thank god 
No more uh, spell vamp for anybody except for yeah. on Hextech Gumblade. I think um, spell vamp is a pretty poor stat in general. Uh, do they explain this? Well, whatever. Um, I think spell vamp is a pretty poor they, stat they in general they, just because there's a huge variance in how abilities work. Yeah. Um, and so it's just always going to be broken on some of these champions like Vladimir, who are entire who are built entirely to use it. Uh, so more power to you. Good job, Riot. Delete Will of the Ancients. Um, Rod of Ages uh, is becoming weaker as a huge stat stick, um, but it is cheaper. Keeping it is keeping the catalyst passive, um, and I think it will end up being a very big battle mage kind of ability, or battle mage kind of um, uh, item, which I think is it's kind of currently in that place. A lot of the Rod of Ages builders are guys like Carthus and you know Aurelian Soul and uh, Swain. <clears throat> Mid-Nautilus, right, who wants to wade in there, you know, they want to wade in there and they want to duke it out with you. Um, I think this will help those guys out because that Eternity passive isn't something that gets turned off in the way that the current Rod of Ages' Catalyst uh, uh, passive turns off. Um, yeah. The other big thing that seems to be the case is the is the combined gold is very, very cheap. So if you can rush Rod of Ages, you're going to get a lot of mileage out of it. Yeah, it lets uh, and, you rush it faster, which I think is, is actually the biggest buff. Is yeah. it, lets, it lets Even though it's going to do less for you as a stat stick over time, it lets you start on your second item faster. Yep. Oh. Uh, I think the, the weakest thing about it uh, is that they're shaving off a lot of this mana... Um, and it starts with less base ability power. It used to go from good ability power, right? 80 ability power is what's on Merlin Omicron right now, um, to great ability power, which is 120, which is only ever matched, I think, by um, Rabadons. Yeah, Death Cap. Um, now it's going from 60, which is bad, right? Um, this is going to be 40 ability power less than Merlin Omicron, for those, for those of us doing the math, um, and goes to... And goes to very good, right? 100 ability power, which is what Merlinomicon, uh, you know, things like Rylize, the, these kinds of items have. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it. I think it contextualizes Rod of Ages in a good place. Yeah. Uh, we might want to speed up a little bit. We're. Uh, we're I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not keeping track of time, but I should be. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. Um. So Merlinomicon. Um. Oh, Man, see, this is the big one. This is the one yeah. I want to talk yeah, about let's most. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's <laughs> so, it. the old Morellanomicon, you know, it gives you this mana regen, and it basically erases your mana cost, right? Uh, as you scale up through the game, you get more mana regen, which just makes Morellanomicon even stronger, right? But this one, you have flat 400 mana coming from Morellanomicon. But you're importing the Athene's uh, passive, where you get 20% of your maximum mana every time you participate in a, in a killer assist, right? This is a pretty big deal because I think it's going to push Morellanomicon into the, like, super offensive category of items like Luden's Echo, right? Yeah. There's nothing defensive about a Luden's Echo. I guess you could maybe argue move speed is defensive. Uh, but, you know, you buy Luden's Echo because it's a huge, you know, a chunk of AP. You've got 100 AP. you got this this burst damage proc, right? It is a hardcore offense item. Morellanomicon is a hardcore offense item. It gives you the cooldown reduction, which I think is a really big deal. Uh, and it's going to... Um, it's going to be a first item on, a on most standard mages, I think. But what you'll be seeing now is a combination of, like, tier Morellanomicon... 
that's frightening. This is probably going to become my new Zillion build, by the way, is like tear into an immediate Morella Nomicon. Um, the, the super aggressive, massive mana pool that you get from a tier Morella Nomicon build is very much going to pay off for you late, uh, late in the game. And I think that, um, you know, we'll be seeing a lot of kinds of variations of that build on champions as they're taking advantage of, uh, just supremely huge mana pools in order to you know in order to like reach the same space that they had once with the old Nomicon, if that um, makes sense yeah I, th I think something like the, the the real kind of trade-off here it's kind of secret is the uh is, is the is that the 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 cooldown reduction is now unique so you can't what can't you stack that with ionian boots of lucidity and um what else has has cooldown reduction that's unique? Lichbane. Lich uh, most uh, basically everything has unique cooldown reduction. Thinking about it, Morellan Omicon was one of the few instances where it wasn't unique. Um, actually, I thought it wasn't unique on Lichbane. Uh, it's not, well, I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe I mean I don't know. I always assumed it was. Uh, um, but I think I think that's really kind of like like it is that much harder to stack up to maximum CDR. Um, which I think is is is, is the secret trade off that um, a lot of people aren't aren't seeing, um, but we'll see. Fair. Um, um, cooldown reduction is not unique on Lichbane at the moment. It might have used to be. I remember wow. sometime a couple of years ago, I think they made a lot of unique uh, cooldown reductions non unique. I think I, you know honestly, I think that kind of stuff does. It's not like I'm ever going to buy two Lichbanes because so much of Lichbane's right. power is in its unique passive anyway. Right. I, I think um, what it does is it keeps you from rushing easy cooldown reduction fast. Like I think there are some champions that would go like Morellonomicon and Lucidity to get that 35% cooldown reduction almost like very quickly, but that's not possible anymore. Wait, really? Well, See now, now I'm confused because I actually thought I don't think the cooldown, the twenty percent cooldown reduction is is it unique to stop from that thirty five percent build? Yeah, so I thought it was to stop Morellonomicon from stacking with itself. No, well, no, so so almost all of the cooldown reduction unique passives are just that it doesn't have a name. It's just unique passive, unique. Yeah, like like Lucidity says, unique ten percent cooldown reduction. I think that I think this is specifically so that like. Lucidity and it's it's ten percent now. I guess I guess I was uh, uh, I'm, I'm out of date, but uh, yeah, you can't stack boots with uh, with Morel and Alicon. Wow, that's really interesting. I used to do that build. That was my build. My <laughs> TF build was the two CDR components to Morellonomicon, Forbidden Idol and uh, whatever the, you know, the Fiendish Codex, into Lucidity Boost, into a Sheen, right? So I built four component items to get max CDR at, like, you know, ten well, minutes well, into the game. Well, if, if you hold off on combining it, then you still have it, right? Like, it only becomes unique once you combine... Merle yeah, that's true. I guess it doesn't stack with Lichbane, so... Wow, that's crazy. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I It does stack not... with... It will stack with Lichbane. Lichbane yeah, is not it... unique, so... Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Athene's Unholy Grail is now a support item. Basically, what it does now is... Um, whenever you're dealing damage to champions, you're gaining these stacks, and they, they come up to a, a maximum. And then whenever you heal an ally or grant them a shield, that ally then gets uh, healing. Right. Um, this is good-ish. I think uh, I think certain champions are going to love it a lot. Um, 
it it's the very natural build out of Chalice of Harmony. Chalice of Harmony is also going to be building into Mikhail's, obviously, still. Um, I don't know. I think we'll see. This will be the all of those supports that right now they rush a uh, they rush a Morellonomicon after. I think they'll be rushing this item because yeah. I think this is the item that they want uh, compared to Morello's. Uh, the tier of the goddess changes, not a big deal. The refunds are there. It gets a little bit higher on Archangels. Says the same on Metamune. Um, Abyssal Scepter and Zonia's we can kind of just tackle together because they're actually pretty straightforward. They both get 10% CDR. They both have an ability power reduction. Zonia's from 100 to 70, and Abyssal Scepter from 70 to 60. Abyssal Scepter is getting a magic resist increase up to 60. Um, and its aura, uh, its aura is going to apply to, uh, only champions. It's, it doesn't apply to minions. I guess maybe it applies to monsters. Um, and it scales. The aura, the aura scales. Uh, the only other change to Zonia's besides this is that it is far cheaper, six hundred gold cheaper. Uh, and the cooldown, or, and sorry, and the uh, the cooldown of the stasis active is increased by another thirty seconds. I like these changes a lot. I like combining CDR onto defensive stuff. CDR is a very big defensive stat, which is why tanks have it kind of on everything. Um, this is an interesting change, I think, because it is removing the combination defensive power of Zonia's active uh, and its passive stats of armor uh, from Z the Zonia's uh, offensive power, which is it's its just raw gigantic ability. Yeah. raw ability power, right? Um, that That's a really interesting change uh, to me, and I... Uh, I don't know. I like it. I like it a uh, lot. I like that. I like that Zonia's uh, zone. I think. I think that we'll see some kind of natural builds where like Zonia's abyssals are stacked with things like Rod of Ages, um, because you know Rod of Ages kind of famously lacks that ability. They're not the ability power. The CDR, but when you kind of get all three of those items, you'll get to a good CDR point for a lot of mages who are typically hungry for it but need the defensive stats. Uh, in order to properly function, guys like kind of like Lissandra, uh, Fizz is a great example of this. Jeez, um, uh, what's that stupid champion? Katarina is another just great example of this. Yeah, um, um, I think one th one thing to know about Abyssal Scepter, it's removed from minions, but now that um, now that uh, the penetration applies to towers, it will apply to towers, which is going to be useful for that kind of sieging uh, comp. Um, yep. Definitely. Um, Next is the, the Hextech items. The Hextech items. There's a lot. Uh, oh, oh, this is God. where they talk about... The, yeah, man, this is where they talk about spell vamp. Um, so the Hextech items, uh, I guess we can... These, so these are like the last set of items to get through, right? The Hextech revolver itself has been moved away from the spell vamp thing, and it says it now has a unique passive that uh, is going to uh, like end up being kind of accentuated uh, by some of these later items. Whenever you damage an enemy champion with a basic attack, it shocks them for an extra 75 to 150 you know, bonus magic damage. Um, all of these passives from the Hextech items are going to be shared. Um the Hextech item line seems to be the Burst Mage kind of line, um, whereas a lot of these health-granting items, uh, which we were talking about before, like Rod of Ages, are kind of these Battle Mage uh, items. Yeah. The... Um, uh, let, let, yeah, let's, let's go down. Let's go down the line. GLP 800. Um, it's kind of like your, your Kite Mage item. It's, 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 I think what they did here is they made an item 
that made it so mid laners don't take Frost Queen's claim. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Because, um, you know, it, it's it's got the slow active, so you don't have your spooky ghost, but it gets a little bit more targetable, and the stats are a little bit more relevant. And I think that'll be enough to make it attractive to mid laners over, over spooky ghosts. Yep, um, and what will kind of like reducing what, like, cause the, the range and the power on, on frost queen claim is a lot. And so it, this, this is more attractive stat wise to majors while, while cutting back on the active power of that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's also got the, it's, the, it builds out a catalyst. Um, I think it'll be neat. Um, yeah, that's, do you have anything else to say about GLP 800? Nope. That it's, I also yep, think it's a I'm terrible name. I also think it's a garbage name. Uh, I also think its stats are kind of aggressive, to be honest. Like, um, 80 ability power, 300 health, and 400 mana is is. Well, yeah, that's a lot. That's a. It's just really good. It's just really good stats. Um, uh, 3k gold, a lot of gold for it. So you know, there's that. Uh, but obviously, getting these frost bolts is. You know, I, I'm a little bit hesitant of adding AP ratios onto items. It's one of those things where when you know when you do it to Ludens, you inadvertently power up a lot of champions. Yeah. When you do it to Lichbane, you know, like Fizz just basically has an extra uh, ability ratio because of course he's going to go Lichbane every game, right. kind of thing. Um, Hexic Proto Belt, which I think is the one that everyone thinks is OP because it's the new Blink Dagger, quote unquote. Um, it gives you. It is now built out of a Hexic Revolver and a Kindle Gem for 60 ability power, 300 HP, 10% CDR, and this active where you dash forward and you unleash a Nova, which is basically a PBAOE, a point blank AOE of Fire Bolts um, that deal a certain amount of. Uh, uh, Magic damage and you know enemies take more damage uh, from ad- from additional bolts. I think the secret here is this is going to be built on not on mages, but I think it's going to be built a lot on like Malphite and Sejuani and uh, like those kind of and maybe, maybe even like a Mumu, right? Oof, like that extra kind of interesting. That extra kind of dash. It's got health on it. It's got cooldown reduction. It's not got the most out of it, but it gives you an extra dash to kind of help you initiate on your on your big kind of one off abilities. I think it's going to be. I, I think I think that it's uh, you're going to see people take it on on those on those uh, types of champions. Yeah. Um, may, maybe well, not every time, but on the games where you're ahead, this will help you get more ahead. I think. Yeah, you know they don't actually mention it here, but my understanding was the important thing about this dash is that it doesn't go through walls, but maybe it does now. Oh, I don't know. Um, the reason, so so a lot of people were talking about this as a blink dagger kind of thing where, like, everybody builds it because, it, you know, it's like an extra flash kind of thing. I think that's hyperbolic in general. Um, but one of the things that they did to remove that, I thought, was they said that it doesn't allow you, it doesn't, it, it will never cross a wall, right? It'll never be able to dash you across a wall the way that flash does, um, which is, you know, in most people, it, it, it's one of the most powerful abilities that flash gives you. Um yeah, it, this if this does do that, uh, you know maybe it is uh, maybe it is strong. I think it's definitely gonna be strong on initiation mages. It's a it's like a must build item on somebody like Annie, uh, who wants to yeah. kind of extend the range of all of her abilities by you know this ability to kind of like jolt forward. I think it'll be good on like Karthus. Um, yeah, I think it'll be pretty good on Karthus. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'll be that'll be interesting to see. We'll see if my prediction plays out. Um, and then the last but not 
least a bit, uh, change is Hextech Gunblade, which is it's you know building same. out of the of the it's it's functionally the exact same. What I like about the new Hextech Gunblade um, is that you know it has this ability power uh, ratio, but it also is. Uh, instantaneous now and it slows them by a lot you know it slows them by 40 percent for two seconds that's a pretty big deal um i think that this will just kind of power up hexblade hex tech champions i think we'll start to see a couple of uh you know like intended hybrids that never actually hybrid up like katarina will be picking up hextech gunblade i would be picking up a hextech on katarina just like easily um mordekaiser finally has cc <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess you could uh I guess you could say that. But uh yeah, I mean that brings us that brings us to the end of these itemization changes. Um uh, I had a little bit I want to talk about jungle bosses. Um I think I think there's not enough of it that we'll go too much over. So I say we 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 go for um the dragons at least. Um the, um so oh, man, geez, there's so much I want to talk about the jungle. Oh, okay, do, 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 do we want to do we want to push this off to the next? I kind of secretly, yeah, I kind of secretly okay. want to push it. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, even just like grievous, you know, like there's just a lot to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners will be happy to wait it out. Uh, I think there's there's <laughs> yeah there's plenty to go into. Um, man, we are really dragging some of these episodes out, but uh, it's because we love you. Listeners. Yes. Absolutely. We we want to be we want to be thorough in our analysis. Yeah, I mean, and uh, oh man, who knows how timely that that episode will be? Because next week, next week preview is going to be Overwatch initial thoughts. Because oh yes, jeez, you're right. Uh, the uh, the beta dropped um, around now. Whenever this goes out, um, and I've pre-ordered, and we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. We're gonna tell you what we think of that. Um, if that's not a whole episode, maybe we'll go back to this, but I, I think it will be. Um, and then, uh, nothing in terms of games, um, Rune Lords and Hell's Rebels should be back soon. Um, yeah, Hell's Rebels will be next week. Um, Rune Lords will also be next week, I think. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then uh, also keep a lookout. We're going to be doing a special, another bonus bonus ode uh, for Captain America: Civil War because that's coming out and everybody's freaking freaking hyped through the roof about it. Yeah, yeah especially me. I'm excited uh, for it to be better than Batman versus Superman. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be. Um, the initial response is extremely positive. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready uh, for you to come out of this movie and be like. Oh, I don't know why everybody likes it so much. Not as cool. I'm probably so you know. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm probably going to be a little bit sour on it. I'm not a huge fan of Captain America. You know, kind of in general, right? And this Except whole for Winter movie's- Soldier. I yeah yeah it's true. I they Winter Soldier's so good. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll I see. I we'll am see. willing to be. I'm willing to be surprised. I'm willing to be. Uh, lovingly surprised as long as they have some i think i think this will be fine um the uh you can always follow us on twitter and facebook we have uh, a facebook page instead of a stupid facebook group which is wrong and dumb but i fixed that it's now a page that you can just like and i'll be putting up all of these episodes every week. you don't even have to do anything it'll just be like oh here's a new free episode for you okay thanks um yeah uh what else is there um there's the soundcloud page Follow us on SoundCloud, I guess. Um, like our tracks. Leave comments. <laughs> email us at some at gmail.com. Love us, please. 
please, oh. please, please. <laughs> whatever, please, please clap. clap, please clap. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> three people in the Netherlands tend to listen to these episodes. I don't know if you understand what we're saying, but give us, give us that nice little heart. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we're. Yeah, I think that's about it. Anything farewell. Else? Yeah, farewell. dear listeners. Farewell, dear listeners. <laughs>